It is 120 again. Welcome into the 120 pod with Benjamin Hootie and Mikey Fernelli. We are here coming at you for our second episode. Thank you for listening to the first if you did. And if this is your first episode, welcome in. This is our first Monday episode, Ben. We're going to finally try and keep to that what we said Mondays at 120. A little bit of technical difficulties last week, but uh, we figured out we got we got through it. And uh, now we're finally here on Mondays at 120. Couldn't be more excited. So we still haven't set up a intro song yet. We just have the cold open. So we really still need an intro song. So that is our major thing on Twitter. If you want to tell us anything, any kind of feedback, hit us with any kind of song or noise or something you want us to record as an intro. Maybe we can get Jeremiah Paparaki on like a uh, some kind of PA announcing intro or something. I don't even know. We'll figure something out. But we get Andrew Bellison to do it. He's he, it's funny because his Twitter handle is still, <clears throat> excuse me, Chicago Cubs PA, but he hasn't been the PA for like two or three years. Yeah. You know how, you know how Twitter doesn't let you change your name. Right. So I always I, thought that he, one was funny. I think it's so funny. This is completely the opposite, but I think it's so funny how they, how he left and they basically replaced him with a guy that sounds the exact same. Yeah. Like Jeremiah is really cool from what I can tell. I, I liked yeah. all their content. They did it on the YouTube last year where he would go out and about on the road. Uh, but I agree. Like the, I was at, I think his first series in 2021 and it, I was like, hold up. This is a different guy. It's, it sounded the exact same. Yeah. It's pretty funny, but I get why they did that. They don't want to lose what Andrew Bellison had going. He, was really he cool, had, so. a, he had a certain, he had a certain uniqueness to his voice and it just worked. And Pebrocki's, I wouldn't say he's as good, but like, he's, right. he's very engaging with the fans and stuff. I think, and he's basically the same voice. So, you know, He's barely older than you and I, too. It's pretty funny. I like know. He, it's nuts. I remember his tweets his first year, like 21, I think it was, where he would be like in Zoom class and finishing his college degree before he the was game a, would start. He was like a student PA announcer for UIC basketball. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, but in this edition of the 120 Pod, we want to talk first about a couple big headlines this week. I think that's how we're going to start out our shows for the most part. So I think the first thing, Ben, is something we ended our show with last week. Seiya Suzuki officially ruled out for the World Baseball Classic amid concerns of his health, even for the Cubs opening day. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so Suzuki, obviously, we talked about it last week. We didn't really know where he was at. It was kind of a big confusion, and it's currently kind of feels like a big rain cloud over the Cubs season. Vibes were super high up until whatever, because, I mean, Saya came to camp looking really good. People were excited to see him in the World Baseball Classic, and it sucks that he's not going to be able to be there uh, in a week or Tuesday now, right? I think it starts on Tuesday. Yeah. So... It's really tough. Um, I think they it's an it's a left oblique strain, correct? Or mm-hmm. right. So one of the two. Uh Suzuki, obviously, we haven't really had an update of how long it's gonna be. They're currently taking it day by day. He obviously hasn't been in the lineup uh for their spring training games at all. And I doubt he'll be in the lineup for any spring training game if he and if he's not playing in the World Baseball Classic. So um, it's kind of, if it's not as bad, I'm kind of happy. He's not going to, uh, Japan or whatever, wherever they're, uh, lo- traveling to, because the injury could end up being worse than it could be, could have ended up being worse. And then, um, but I hope he just stays in Arizona, continues to work on it and hopefully he's ready by opening day, but still it's, it's a lot of, con- a lot of, it seems to be a lot of confusion around what's going on with him right now. 
So this article I'm reading says Jed actually just called it a moderate oblique strain. I don't know if they've specified yet. Maybe they have somewhere else, but either way you look at it, that's not an injury that's going to take hopefully any longer than a month or two, but even then, I mean, it probably is within that ballpark. I don't think it's a bad thing that he's missing out on the World Baseball Classic. I hate to say it. I really like the WBC. I was excited to see him play for Japan, but at the end of the day, yeah, you don't want to, let's say he was healthy enough to play there and then hurts it even worse and then misses half the Cub season. That is not good, obviously. Exactly. I'd rather see him play one game for the Cubs and get, I don't want any injuries, but I'd rather see him play one game for the Cubs and make it worse than play one game for not a meaningless tournament, but you know, it, it's not it's not the regular season. It's not what the Cubs signed him for a five-year contract, what they signed him for. This is an interesting quote from Jed Hoyer. He said, I think a lot of bad decisions are made around opening day, Hoyer said. It's one day on the calendar, but people rush back for it, and we want to make sure that they are patient. If he makes it back for that, that's great, but that's not what we care about. We just care about him get, getting him totally healthy. You know what? I kind of agree with that. Yeah, they put out the you know American flag banners, and they paint the baselines, but ultimately, opening day is game one of 162. You, you want to see him play in over 100 games this season, as you did last year, hopefully over 130 or so. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I want him to be as healthy as possible this year because as we've I I think he's everyone's most excited player like to watch this year because of just how much muscle he put on this offseason, you know, where we saw him a year ago and how he's how he made improvements across the season. But also, obviously, he got hurt as well. And we know the potential is there. We know the power is there. And we're excited to see that. I'm so excited to see that. Saya is I, I, if he could just hit a couple bombs, I think he's one of my favorite players because he's just he's such, he just seems like such a likable guy. He seems like he's a good guy in the clubhouse too, especially because him and his uh, translator toys seem to just be like two like uh, beams of light energy. Like they just seem like yeah. so much fun, and I think everyone. I, I think I don't even think it's just Cubs fans. I think everyone across the MLB is rooting for Saya to do good this year because even my White Sox friends will be like, you know. I always give him respect for Andrew Vaughn. I'm like, Andrew Vaughn's going to break out this year. And they'll give it right back to me. They're like, say Suzuki's going to break, break out this year. So yeah. I don't know. He's a likable guy. There's nothing not to like. And I, one of my favorite say things is it seems like every time I'm there in person and he's out in the outfield, when there's a when there's a delay, maybe they're a player's hit by a pitch or they're looking something over, he will practice his batting stance in the outfield and he'll he'll just be swinging an imaginary bat, getting ready. And this is a guy who hit over 260 in a uh, in 111 games last year. It's not abysmal. It's not you know all star level, but it's not abysmal. And if he can stay healthy for 140 games, that's all I can ask for this season. So I think what Jed said is is pretty true about ultimately that's just one game, and especially missing the WBC, you don't want to rush him back. No, exactly. I mean, we do have we and if he ends up being out, obviously you want him to play in right, but you got options. Uh, Trey Mancini was out in right field uh, earlier today, so I didn't think that they'd actually go in that direction. But, you know, with the flexibility of having Mervis and all that, maybe Trey Mancini is the answer in right. But you also have Velasquez and we talked about him last week. Brennan Davis could be a possible if if Suzuki's legitimately hurt, he could be a po- potential guy that ends up uh, being in that lineup. Um, and then who else am I missing? One more guy, Christopher Morel, of course. Too, you know, he can play just about any spot that you need him to. So if they needed him to play right, then you have an option there as well. 
Let's move on to the infield where one Cubs batter we talked about last week has really been tearing it up in the Cactus League. We're talking about David Bodie. Is David Bodie coming for that infield spot, that infield wildcard spot of maybe third base? Is he is he taking over the Nick Madrigal experiment? What do you think? I I it's like so I'm so conflicted with it because I really don't want him. This might sound so rude, but I don't want him on the team anymore. But he is just coming out of spring training, you know, after getting I don't I I still don't know the situation. Did he get released or did did his contract just run out? I'm trying to find it. We talked about it last week. The Cubs did not want him at some point last season. The Cubs tried to rid of him and then nothing happened. And And still made his way back around. Yeah. I don't know if they officially ever released him. I don't think they did, but he he hung around barely at the end of last year. And here he is tearing it up in spring training, but I think he's just building that trade stock more than on more than anything. That's what you hope for, obviously. For uh, him too. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that need infielders right now, frankly. Um, we look at Boston, we look at Colorado, we look at Los Angeles Dodgers. And, you know, even if they wanted to keep Odie, the Cubs do have a pretty good stockpile of infielders if you're if they're willing to give us a pitcher or uh, yes, a uh, uh, prospect in return, you know, so it does give you that flexibility. If, if Jed Hoyer and David Ross legitimately think David Bodie is a guy that can be on this opening day roster, then you have the flexibility to call up the Rockies who just lost Brendan Rogers or the Dodgers who just lost Gavin Lux and say, Hey, we've got Nick Madrigal. We've got, I don't, I don't think they'd ever trade Patrick wisdom, but they, I would say, Hey, we got Nick Madrigal. Hey, we got, uh, Zach McKinstry. If you want these guys, no, 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 no. They can't trade walking <laughs> in Zach McKinstry. They can't do that. You uh, know me and Zach McKinstry. I, but no, anyway, keep no going. Zach McKinstry slander, but <laughs> you know, if some, some teams would like him right now and they better than the Cubs. Yeah, exactly. There's not really a spot for, for him on the Cubs no. right now. So it does give you that flexibility of if you wanted to trade Bodie, you can. But if you legitimately think he's a guy that can play this year, you have other infielders that you can look to other teams that need infielders. Zach McKinstry. I remember when we traded for Zach McKinstry. I didn't even I really didn't even know the name. Once I looked it up and I saw the Dodgers, I was like, okay, yeah. But yeah. we've had one we we've had one Rios too. I, yeah. Like who hit a home run the other day. Exactly. We have too many infielders and it's funny because third base, we have like, we have like six third basemen now. And that's still the, our worst position on the team easily. Like, right. Yikes. My guy, my guy, Zach's one for 10, five games in in the Cactus league. Oh man. 250 OBP. Zach, Zach, Zach. You can't, I can't keep calling you a walking hit if you're only one for 10. I think we were gonna I think we were gonna get into this later in the episode. I think you were gonna end up alluding to it, but uh I did a so for those of you don't that don't know, I write for a website called Covey's Crib. Uh it's yep. fan sided. Um and I did they asked me to they basically put me on an assignment to say, Hey, uh guess the project the twenty six man roster for the Cubs. And obviously, like it's so hard to guess that because there's like three or four positions that can are a toss of toss of the coin. And obviously I love Christopher Morrell, but I said that I think Zach McKinstry gets that utility spot over Morrell because I think the Cubs want to see, he only has one option left. So if the Cubs were to ever like 
if the Cubs were to start the season with him in AAA, he's a free agent. He can go to any team he wants. So I said, I think the Cubs try him at the, the utility spot to open the year because of the fact that if if they send him down to the minors, they lose him. And I think they want to see a little more out of Morale in the minor leagues, frankly, because he got a he he jumped from Double A to uh, the majors. Yeah, got out to a hot start, but then just kind of coasted in that nine spot throughout the last couple months of last season. You know, not terribly, but David Ross pretty much cemented his feet there in the nine spot, and it didn't always go the best way. I think I agree with that. I, as much as I actually do make jokes about Zach McKinstry, I think he's a solid utility ad. But I think that's about all he is. If the Cubs end up being a playoff team, I don't think Zach McKinstry is a huge part of it. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but that's one of the players that you're going to eventually have to probably rid of in the name of building up your pitching. Yeah, I, I, I hope that Zach McKinstry is not around if the Cubs aren't. Actually, you know what? We'll see. We'll just see. Because Zach McKinstry was formerly a top prospect. Like he was a top prospect for the Dodgers, and he just didn't pan out well. So sounds a lot know. like. Uh... I was going to say, sounds a lot like, sorry to change the subject on a transition, but you gave me a good a good segue. Your guy, Michael Fulmer. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he, I think he's going to have an awesome year. I think so, too. Is it, time, is it time to get into pitching, you think? Yeah, just one more thing on that really quick. I love how we started off with David Bodie, and somehow it got to Zach. It's ended with Zach McKinstry. They are interchangeable players. Not in spring <laughs> training, apparently, though. But moving on, to, moving on to pitching. In Ben's most recent fan-sided Cubby's Crib article, he was discussing, as part of it, starting pitching. And I think, looking it over, Ben, great article, by the way. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. You talked about the four cemented guys in that in that rotation in a non-Kyle Hendricks situation. Stroman, Steele, Talion, and Smiley. Yep. Who is your, who's your fifth option, then? So, in the article, and in my mind, and what I've seen through spring training so far, I think it's Wesneski. He just has dirty stuff. Watching that at bat against the leadoff hitter, the rookie of the year, the AL rookie of the year, one of the best players in the league coming up, Julio Rodriguez, he made him look silly the other day. And I get it. It's one at bat, whatever. But Wesneski's stuff is legitimately just dirty. He is going to be on Pitching Ninja for as long as he is in the league. He is an awesome player, and I am so excited for what he can do. And I loved Scotty Afros. I think he was just an awesome reliever. That, And I was a little upset when we first traded for him, but seeing Wesneski's stuff when he came up for the Cubs last year, I was just thrilled that we made that trade. I think that's looking back on the some of the trades that might end up being one of the best trades we've, we've made so far. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, until PCA comes up and tears it up. That's pretty much what we have to show for yeah. that abysmal couple days in a row with the breaking up of our team is Hayden Wesnesky. And I believe he came from the Yankees, correct? Yeah. So it was, yeah. it was this past deadline. It was when we okay, traded yes. all of our yeah. relievers away and yeah. whatnot. I thought I forgot. I thought he was part of the Rizzo thing, but no, 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 that is, no. Yeah. But either way, you look at it, a Yankees prospect, another one of them. But I would love to see Rossi use a little bit more of Adrian Sampson in spring training, too, because I think he's another good option. He only has made one appearance in spring training and didn't do all that well. But he's not as young as all these guys are naming off. But I think he could be a pretty solid option, too, even if it's just a safety option. If you if you don't want to throw Wesneski into the pool and hope he doesn't drown, maybe maybe you do start with Adrian Sampson as that fifth guy. Yeah, Adrian Sampson was just awesome last year. It was 
I, even though it was an abysmal season for the Cubs, having guys like Adrian Sampson to lean back on in those every fifth day was huge because he just went out there and pitched for his career. He knew that basically he had no life insurance in MLB at all. And he went out there and pitched for his career. And I think he ended the season with like a what? 3.4 ERA. Something I just like closed that. his page. He Samson was a, a really good player for us last year. And he, every time he went on the mound, he gave us a good five to six innings. So you kind of have to feel like you you have to reward him this upcoming season. I still think there's a spot for Samson in this on this team, whether he ends up being a a, a long term a long longer reliever. Because towards the end of the season, he did have a couple appearances out of the bullpen once we got a little healthy, and we let some prospects pitch. Um, or if you want to try him out as the starter at the beginning of the year. I'm not against it, but I still think like if you want to win this year, you got to have Wesnaski in that top five. Yes. I don't know if it's the best option to start him there for the year. I think they should start with Samson, but I think Wesnaski is your first option for when somebody inevitably in that starting five is just not there or is not putting it together. And, and I'm going to go, I'm going to go back and say it one more time. I said this last week too. I would not be shocked if they tried to let, Michael Fulmer start at some point, maybe not right off the bat, but I think they might try it. I, I still think there needs to be a lot of injuries for that to happen. I think, I think Fulmer's at the point in his career where he just wants to be a bullpen guy. Cause he hasn't started in almost two years now. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would, wouldn't hate the idea, but like he is the perfect guy to come out of the bullpen and throw you sliders 80% of the time, because that's all he does now. If you're yeah. if you're getting sliders eighty percent of the time as a starter, you know it's coming in the second or third inning, and you're yeah. they're gonna smack that thing out. So oh, I yeah. think he is the perfect guy to come in for one to two innings. I I legit I think he's our closer this year. Honestly, could very well be. Yeah, in but, some emergency situation, he could start for you. But yeah, he's not going. He's not going six innings. That's for sure. No, for sure. But I think you're on the right track with Fulmer, but like other options on our team right now, we have a. We have a ton of swing guys. If we have a doubleheader, there are about five calls you can make to who you want to start. And it's crazy because this is definitely not the best pitching the Cubs have had in the last, I don't know, five years. But the depth is absolutely insane. How far you can go down the list of prospects that could make an impact this year or are currently on the team, that's including major leaguers. The mm-hmm. list is huge of potential starters you have on the team right now. So you obviously got the five guys we talked about. You've got Samson. You've got Caleb Killian. You've got um, what's what's his name? Uh, Assad. Assad. And then you have a couple prospects too that could make an impact this year. Uh, Jordan Wicks, Ben Brown, all these guys. You have a whole list of guys that could potentially be a starter this year for us. You named off like three guys right there who were part of the seven. And this is a good segue into the no hitter, the combined no hitter against the Padres on Friday. That would have been Justin Steele, Javier Saad, Brad Boxberger, Albert Alzali, Jeremiah Estrada, Cameron Sanders, and Nick Birdie, who Nick Birdie is filthy, by the way. I was watching the oh, end of that yeah. game and he is filthy. Uh, he was one of the ones I wasn't as familiar with, but he has got some stuff. But yeah, that, I mean, it's spring training. So apparently it's the only Cubs known no, in, in spring training history, but 
that is good to see that crew together because as you said, you're looking at a lot of young depth here. And when you see, you're obviously not going to use seven pitchers in a game probably in a in a game in which you win four nothing in the regular season. But even if you have three of these seven guys work together in a one, two, three kind of thing, that would work out well. I think the signing of Boxberger is something we don't talk about enough. I think that's a great signing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Boxberger has been good for so long. I mean, we saw it in Milwaukee for the past two years. He, as soon as Hader went went away, you know, he became their setup guy because Williams went in there. But Boxberger's really a good setup option for just about any team in Major League Baseball. And now you kind of have that debate, you know, after the Fulmer signing, who actually is the closer. It could be Boxberger. It could be Fulmer. Honestly, I don't care because the last three years, David Ross has thrown anyone into that closer position and they have thrived. Whether it's Brandon Hughes, whether it's David Robertson, whether it's Andrew Chafin, Craig Kimbrell, everyone has thrived in that I love what Tommy Hadovy has done with this pitching staff. I mm-hmm. love the bullpen. Even if it's not like sexy names like that, that you would like a couple years ago, obviously like our bullpen like had some names to it, but now it's just like just a bunch of guys that just go out there, get the ball and throw. And I love that so much about this team. Well, those names start somewhere, right? Obviously guys have to get a chance to be in these situations and that's where those names start. Going back to Boxberger, being a closer even he had 32 saves in 2018 i know i've been all about the stats this episode but let's play some money ball uh and then he had 41 in 2015 but since then he's only had six saves since 2018 but i can totally see him maybe going back to that to that closer role yeah we'll see so when he made those saves was he in arizona or tampa both 15 would have been tampa where he had 41 that's his career high and then 18 would have been 32 saves with the Diamondbacks, eight blown saves, but 32 successful. Okay. So he spent he spent a year after that in Arizona, and then he played has he played two he played two seasons with Milwaukee. He he bounced around after that. He went he went Arizona. I'm re- literally just reading right off his baseball reference. This is not off the noggin. I'm not familiar with the Brad Boxberger lore. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> um, but he is he went Arizona. Uh, Royals in 19, Marlins in 20, and then two years with uh, Wrigley North fans up there in Milwaukee. I I love I love Major League Baseball relievers. I know How they can just depending on where they're at, they can just go up or down. And yeah, I just think I just think every story is so much fun. Like we talked about it last week with Chafin, how he was like one of the top relievers in the league. He fell off, got a minor league deal with the Cubs. Then all of a sudden he became another top reliever in the league. And then yes. he kind of fell off again, but he still got a nice deal again this offseason. So, yeah, I'm a little bit upset we didn't bring him in. Yeah, another a lefty reliever out of the bullpen would have been nice, but would have been nice. Yeah, that would have been good. And because we talked about last last episode about how, yeah, the Cubs literally saved that guy. And I think he wanted to, I think he probably would have had mutual interest in coming back too. Now that the Cubs are kind of starting to find an identity, he was only around right at the tail end of the last Cubs identity, buying used cars off Cubs fans and making everybody wear, shave their beard. He he was awesome. He had such an impact in half a season. Yeah, he was he was a lot of fun. Just the obvious shirt stuff and yeah. all that. Just, yeah. He was a good guy. I yeah, he was. I, I think I think the Cubs definitely looked at him. I think the price tag was a little higher than they wanted, though. For someone <laughs> yeah, that because... came off a little bit of a down year. That's the Cubs' fault. They set the price high. Yeah. 
in a year that they didn't need to, he all of a sudden was really, really good. And then they <laughs> trade they traded him to who? Oakland, I think. Yeah, he went to Oakland and then he went to Detroit for a season and then Detroit uh decided to cut ways with him because he kind of underperformed and um something else. Oh yeah, they're just cheap. Um and then they're just Oakland. Speaking yeah. of Moneyball. Now he's just now he's back in Arizona. What do you think about Abbott going into the season? I'm just think I'm just looking over all kinds of other relievers slash potential starters, but I think Abbott ship has probably sailed on on starting. Yeah, we could do this all day. Adbert, I love out of the bullpen. He is the perfect guy to pitch two innings every three to four days. He is filthy. And just just slam it down their throats. I think yeah. he's got nasty stuff to be a great reliever. And, I mean, we talk about the starting pitching depth. How about the depth of the fact that we have multiple arms we can go to for two-plus innings? Yes. Multiple. And that's and that not... Was- yeah, you go, you go. I got some after that. That's not including if Samson ends up being in the bullpen as well. So I think Adbert just has filthy stuff. I think I, I agree with you. I think the ship has sailed on him being a starter. But I, I think Rossi, I think Rossi loves him as a bullpen guy. And and Adbert Adbert's came out and openly said too, he likes being a bullpen guy just as much as a starter. And Abbott just loves being a Chicago Cub. He's one of those guys that like, he'll he will do anything. He's another one of those Venezuelan guys, and and it's not meant to be any stereotype at all. It's just him and Wilson both always love being a Cub, and they and they just have that loyalty to the Cubs. Did Abbott also come out of that same program that Wilson did, where you know they down in Venezuela they have a Cubs camp and they have prospects start it younger than us? It's pretty cool. He he probably was part of that program, but yeah, Adbert just. Him and there's there's so many guys that just have like taken on the role of enjoying their time as Chicago Cubs and Adbert and Ian Happ are two of those guys. Like just the way that they interact with fans at the ballpark, on social media, etc. I mean, how can you not love Adbert? And I'm so happy he's back on the field because that was a really, really tough year and a half of on and off the field with injuries and stuff. And, you know, when he came back last year and just started just started chugging like he was he was awesome. And I hope the best this year, too. What I was going to say a little bit ago was one of the things we don't talk about about that 21 season with the last time the Cubs were okay before they traded away at the deadline one of the things they were successful at was that setup game where your pitchers would only have to go about six or so five, six innings, probably six. And then you did have the options of Ryan to and Andrew Chafin. If you start making this staff, as you said, into this young group where we do have so many setup options, whether it be truly young guys who are making their first appearances or the guys like Albert Azalea and Michael Fulmer who have, you know, reach have changed their identity that could be huge because if you make it only a couple in a game if you make it only a six in a game or whatever they like to call it that is huge because you are going to get runs from these cubs bats and i'm just gonna go out and limit say it this cubs offensive lineup is going to score runs for the first time in years they will score runs no doubt about it they get around the bases they're not too flashy their egos are not too big it's a bunch of guys who score runs so if the pitching can back them up this could get really interesting really fast and that's that's the whole X factor of it all. It's that it's that starting pitching, and that's why I think all these metrics and projections don't 
are not as high on the Cubs as people think because they don't realize how underrated this pitching staff truly is. Yes, there's not a name that you love, like that can go out there every fifth day and give you a complete game. There's not that. But they <laughs> they just have a bunch of blue collar, like hard, not even hard throwing, but like pretty, pretty solid for today's major league standards. They get the ball on the ground. They let their defense make the play for them. They got a couple guys in the bullpen that, that will strike your ass out. I I love it. Let's and go. And even if it's not this year where you feel like they're not like a good pitching team or something like that, I think they're going to continue to improve. Look at the second half of last season. There are so many pieces on this roster right now and coming up through the farm system on the pitching side that we can continue to build on and make better. And I mean, you got guys like that in Justin Steele, Brandon Hughes, Wesneski, um, Keegan Thompson. There are so many guys that are, I think are here for the next great Cubs team. And we, we say that all the time. We hear Jed say that. And I, I truly think that there, there are so many options that if they're not, great this year they're going to get better and they're going to prove huge for the future being great is not names it's winning and i think this team could win i this team can pluses and minuses mean winning sometimes and it means if you get enough hits you get enough runs and you'll win games it could all blow up in our face all oh, these young 100%. pitchers all these young pitchers could come up and be shell-shocked and they'll they could see the brewers week one and they could you know lose two out of three and then all of a sudden it's like okay and then they'll go to they'll they'll go to Cincinnati where we always seem to play poorly and okay who knows and then they'll face the Rangers where you're going to see Degrom and that whole staff, but there is an opposite side of that coin where you're seeing all these teams early on who have until you see Texas pretty not Mediocre. really great hitting lineups yeah. yeah and I mean I think the first real challenge hitting wise is probably Seattle yeah the, it's the fourth series of the year and then you got you got L A but. I'm circ I'm circling Seattle on my calendar. I cannot wait for that series. It's just such a weird one. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I'm at so, home too. I know. I'm so used to either playing the Mariners in Seattle, like on a nice West Coast trip. I don't know when's the last time Seattle came to Wrigley Field. I'm so excited to see Julio in game action. I'm yeah, excited yeah. to see these Cubs. You know, they're gonna it's not gonna be later in the season. They're gonna be fresh. They're gonna be hitting. We're gonna have some good pitching. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I don't love the everyone plays everyone thing, but one thing that'll be cool about it is there will be chances for us to go to home games and see stuff like that. See the Mariners play in Wrigley Field. See the Tampa Bay Rays play in Wrigley Field. Teams, AL teams that for some reason us NL fans always like that it'll be fun to see the see them play the Chicago Cubs, the Orioles. I'm just looking it over. Like there's there's all kinds of fun ones that we haven't gotten in years. The Red Sox. It's it's nuts. Easter weekend. I if you want to come with I'm I've never even talked to you about this but I live on the pod I'm getting an invite I'm circ I'm circling I've I'm already it's planning on going to it anyways Texas oh it's Texas Texas Rangers on Saturday okay. in the bleachers April eighth you know what we might have to make that a, uh, at one twenty pod live special from I want I'm from go, Wrigley like, Field I I'm going but I have no one to go with so I'll go with you I'll go let's with go you. <laughs> my <laughs> I honestly might. If you want to go that Saturday, yes. All right, you guys heard it here first on the pod, April eighth. If you want to come with our most loyal fans, come out to our first ever 
of Cubs versus Rangers meet and greet. In the bleachers. <laughs> it's like the the tickets are not bad at all. No, I was looking at tickets for actually against the Brewers, the opening series earlier, and it's it's not bad at all. Get your tickets before the Cubs start winning and, and the prices go up. I actually, you know what? We won't confirm yet. I'm not going to buy my ticket yet. You know, waiting to see what I'll do with my family for Easter. But if it's a Saturday before, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I'm already... I asked my girlfriend to go and she was going to go. And then she was like, no, I can't go. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm still going. If it's yeah, by myself or with, if I figure it out, let's do it. Let's get it in. I was th- our loyal 120 fans better be there. <laughs> I was really thinking the same thing because I, I want to go to a game early on too. My girlfriend's a White Sox fan and she doesn't have any Texas Rangers shirts. Cause one of the games we went to last year was a Cubs Dodgers game and she happened to have a Dodgers shirt, I guess. <laughs> but um, so <laughs> let's go together. Cubs fans only get a couple hot dogs, maybe a brew or two. I mean, I'm, I'm old enough for that. You're not, so you get, you're not going to get the wristband, no. but we'll, we'll, we'll get out, we'll get out there in the bleachers. I, w- I won't make you a, I won't I'm, make you feel I'm unwelcome. I'm so excited to drink Coke products at Wrigley <laughs> Field. No more Pepsi. That no is more huge. Pepsi. Yeah. No brews actually just Coke in the bleachers. Let's That's what go. I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll get a, a huge matchup of, of past versus present DeGrom and Wesneski. Oh, Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. Let's wrap up this edition of the 120 pod. Thanks for listening. You heard us talk about David Bodie, Say Suzuki, the Cubs pitching staff, Coke products, Ben and I's date on April 8th. You've heard all about <laughs> it. Let's uh let's wrap this up. Ben, you got anything else? Uh as as we said at the beginning of the episode, thank you all for listening. Any feedback is needed and helpful, and we would very much appreciate it. So continue to listen, stick with us. We're trying to improve on on the fly. So thank you yep. all. Yep, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Go Cubs. Go Cubs.